You're listening to 101.9 FM, KPCRLP, Santa Cruz. Hi, I'm James Reich, and you're listening to Drinks with Tony. Get on the Drinks with Tony show. Yeah. You're listening to Drinks with Tony. I'm your host, Tony Duchesne. Today on the show, we have James Reich. He's the author of The Moth for the Star. James, how are you? I'm very well, Tony. How are you? Yeah, I'm okay. I'm okay. Yeah, I think I'm all right. I mean, I've got a drink now and I'm talking to you, so. Does he? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, it, it, and this is why I do it, because I just love talking to other authors. And, yeah. your, and your pub day, well, this will air a couple days after your pub day. It's like almost now, right? As we speak, it's to, in some parts of the world, it's today, it's now, right? Yeah. As wow. we speak, it's tomorrow. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and how does that feel? Because you got you've you've had, you've 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 run this court, you've run the you've run the uh, the the laps before. How does it feel on this sure. tra- on this round? I mean, it's all, I always find it exciting. I mean, of course, you know, everyone would like the the morning of publication day, their life to change. Yes. Did you? Carriage to arrive and the you know the right the the, the fortune and the retirement. To, to come upon you in a hurry but that isn't really how it is um so yeah i mean i'm, I'm both um you know tremendously grateful and excited and um yeah but also you know realistic about what yeah. tomorrow will bring um yeah hopefully not too much of a hangover um <laughs> and a few kind messages that's you know that's like when it, I I don't know if you thought like when my first book came out, which is you know, the only book I have out right now, but it's um I was waiting for the parade. I was I was like, mm-hmm. wait, where's this? What here it comes now? Yeah, here it comes. I am God, mm-hmm. <laughs> man. Mm-hmm. I was scrunched and humiliated. I was I was not humiliated, but I was absolutely humbled. <laughs> <laughs> when my it reminds reminds me of when um. Yeah, my my first book was very experimental, and so was not going to you know burn down any bookstores with with sales. But the second one, um, it was a kind of ambivalent uh, New York Times review, but it had a couple of nice things that you could pull out if you if you read it oh, the right way. And yeah. I, I remember thinking, you know, oh wow, you know, New York Times that ought to make a difference. And <laughs> uh, no, no, it, it's not. The world doesn't work that way. I remember it reminds me of that. Um, all the stuff that we do, we do all this stuff on the side where it's, you know, um, articles and, you know, interviews and so on. And um, it reminds me a bit of um, people will, will you know, maybe read the articles or read the piece that you write. And uh, it reminds me of that um, Harlan Ellison thing. And he's talking about his um, doing DVD, being asked to do DVD extras on some Star Trek thing. And he's saying, well, well, if I do this DVD extra, bonus content on the star trek video is anyone going to watch the star trek video and go that was a really interesting guy i wonder if he has a book i can go and buy (laughs) (laughs) so i think you know we write we write articles there's so many people doing work for free in uh, publishing in the world of literature so but yeah yeah one gets used to it so yeah and it's and and i i think that also you know it's i as a as a fan and just having you know a guy that's just it has insatiable desire to read novels and like also write as well yeah. it's just like there, there's a you can't do it for the money that's <laughs> no no and i i, I think also 
Yeah, and you know that stuff would be would be nice for many of us. I'm I'm, I'm sure, but at the yeah. same time, um, without meaning to sound, I don't know, a bit a bit too humble, but I really mean this. I mean, I I do love, like you say, I love the novel as a form, and I especially love the paperback novel. There's something about it that democratized when Penguin started to do their paperbacks. It was such a you know way back. It was a democratizing force you know really powerful to have those cheap books in people's pockets you know reading yeah. on the trains and wherever it was it's just so it's the, the paper i'd rather be in paperback <clears> than hardcover <throat> in many ways you know yeah it's, there's just something so it's the the paperback book is something like one of the great aesthetic objects of the 20th century yeah so and it's and it's uh <clears throat> for me i mean you know uh, uh if i'm reading i want to like i'm i'm writing in it i'm like right i'm like oh man that was cool oh oh my god this scene just stuff so i can read it again and i want to come back to it but right, um right. i can't read i still can't read digital i really try I, no, I, can you read digitally or not very well i mean i've I, yeah. I tried sometimes i think it would be good well for a few things you know it save some space and it also often they're, they're a little cheaper but but i just don't find the um the format i just can't i don't engage with it so well i know i want to because i because i want to bring like a ton of books on a plane do you know you yeah. know it's like you get a, if i had a kindle and i could put 50 books on there and have a choice on a plane the best i can do is probably have two books in my carry-on and yeah. go is it, this? Is, it is it because a... is it because the um because we're romantically attached to the paperback or is it just because the, the electronic is no good it, you know, know something about the format it's just not as not, you know. yeah i want it to be good because i, mm -hmm. I want I, I want the easiness of it mm -hmm. even though i would still read um but but i, I want that travel option of having a yeah. library in your pocket yeah but I mean, it's just it's it's just reading on like even reading online i don't like reading articles online you know, when right. someone says to me like a great long form journalism piece or something, I'd rather yeah. have the print magazine. Yeah, it's, it's, it is an issue because, I mean, I think that a lot of places have tried to, you know, resist the short form piece that the Internet encourages. Um, and it, in many cases, it hasn't. It, it's it's the struggle. I don't know. Is it always? I struggle to read long form on the Internet, for sure. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, I subscribe to a bunch of different you know, publications, but say there's something in the Atlantic that seems interesting. You know, it comes into my inbox, but I'm, you know, damn well not going to read it on my computer. Right. You know, wait for magazines to turn up and then I'll read it on the page. Um, <laughs> <That's>, uh, yeah, <laughs> I get that too. Like like the yeah. New Yorker will be like, New Yorker yeah, Daily, right. we, we think you're interested in. And there was like a, a Werner Herzog uh, uh, article. And I'm like, oh, that looks interesting. I'll probably oh, I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll get it in a couple days. <laughs> It's, it's just a notification it's a notification of you know what you have coming in your mailbox yeah right yeah i, I love herzog you know that would be yeah i i feel like he would want us to read it on paper but maybe not he's kind of a perverse guy sometimes so who yeah. knows he might he might insist that we go to the screen against my expectations i don't know but subverting yeah. expectations yeah 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 i love that <laughs> Also, yeah, no, I, I had one of the old Kindles, you know. And was... Oh, okay. So yeah, you've you've, you've invested in tried. I've I went. I've been to the yeah. like store where I'm like sitting there and looking at the Kindle. And going, I can't do that. 
can't do that. And then I had the Oasis Kindle or whatever. They're like, mm. this is ergonomic for your hand. Mm. You know, it's going to give your hand a massage so you can masturbate <laughs> better later. I, you know, they had all these like little add-ons and I'm all, huh, okay. <laughs> Read your facade with the vibrate mode. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I, I had one of the um, the Kindles that were, I think it was, and must be one of the early generation ones. I don't know why I bought it. I mean, it was, but I did, and um, it was it was in the the age before they had backlight, so oh, it yeah. was a LED screen that you know would always you're in the wrong light and you couldn't read it, or if you went, to, you had to buy a separate book light to hook onto it. So ah. in the end, it was like a, a book with a light on it anyway at night. So I don't know. Yeah, I, I it's in the. I've thrown a couple of them in the trash over the years, which is a really bad for the environment, I'm sure. But yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what? I I, I don't know. I don't know if this is true. I have not fact checked this, but I just heard this like about ten minutes before uh, we started talking. Is that um, the electric car mm. was actually the original concept around 1903? They had an electric car that went up to 46 miles an hour. Wow. And Ford company bought it and destroyed the technology because they were investing in the gas and the, uh, the combustible engine. You know, I, my, my brain is, is a little um, empty of the right answer, but I think, isn't that the case often, isn't it? There's a superior yeah. technology and there's, well, and, and the, the kind of more junk technology is the one that takes over and thrives. I mean, I don't know if this yeah. is the case. Is it, was that the, was that the case with, um, I mean, everyone used to, I've heard people say this about uh, Beta or Betamax video cassettes versus VHS, that they were superior. Yeah. But there was something about them that VHS took off, even though VHS was a little bit like, um, you know, an oversized uh, audio cassette. You know, right. going to wear out in six weeks or something. So. Yeah, it's it, and it's. I think what they're looking at is the. It, are we going to get continual income streams from these different right. other, th you know, in the create more problems so we can create more solutions mm. and get a lot more money and create more jobs well yeah i mean also if it's you can't you can't do the planned obsolescence and the upgrade thing can you if, it, right. if you release the electric car in the first place you know yeah. we're get this you know 100 year drama we've been having about about the the uh the gasoline car well i, I once read a one of my freelance jobs years ago was I, I did some proofreading for some academic presses i forget which one this was but somehow one of the books i proofread was a was a was a was a manual for nokia the cell phone company nokia um engineers and and salespeople and you know it was it was explicit about the fact that they were releasing the technology before it was ready and essentially testing it on the consumer in the world and the consumer already had it and it was too much trouble to take it back at that point so they'd release their firmware updates and i guess we see that all the time don't we it's, we're always buying things that are not ready for the market yeah. and then given being graced with an update you know how generous of you right exactly <laughs> give us an update fantastic all the things you knew were fucked up about this product yeah before you gave it to us for a thousand dollars yeah. I mean, you just reminded me of when um, uh, the grocery stores, when they first, when was this? I think it was in the nineties when they started asking for your telephone number and then you can get the coupons. Mm. And this was like, and I was just like, no, I'm not <laughs> giving you my telephone. Are you crazy? I would never give that to you. I'm paying the, I'm paying the regular price. 
And yeah. look where we are now. They <laughs> lulled us into everything. Accept mm. all cookies. Accept all cookies. Yeah, yeah. I bet you have. Uh, I've just seen them in the last. Um, you must. You must have seen these. The um, the Palm checkout. Oh my God! Yeah, yeah. I think. And no, absolutely thing, not. An Amazon Whole Foods. Yes. Version. Yeah. yeah. No way. No, no way. I mean, I'm sure I've given away that kind of data in other ways. You know, everyone. You can't, yeah. you just can't help it, but it just seems a bit too blatant, doesn't it? It's like it, it's like if it put out a needle and said, "Give us blood," right? Or and and see, and see us, see us raging against it now. Talk to us thirty years later, and we'll yeah. be like, you know, giving them a stool sample at the, uh, you know, <laughs> <laughs> they'll be checking for disease uh, and for drugs. It's funny. I have been tempted. <laughs> i'll tell you what i have for you i don't have a palm print but i have this right. sample ready yeah. <laughs> and and don't mind but i kind of have to lean up on the counter <laughs> <laughs> that would be awesome oh man well i would i would tape that and then bail you out of jail <laughs> yeah just does remind me to never go shopping with you yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what can we do now that can yeah. ruin our lives <laughs> oh this is uh, you reminded me i was um this is a very english thing i suppose but um years and years ago me and a friend went to um uh, a cricket match you know cricket matches go on for five days sometimes and you yeah know, they're sitting in the sun for large amounts of time drinking beer so everybody has ideas about what they can do to pass the time because the cricket is not always compelling let's yeah. put it that way and um so you, know, you see a lot of streakers and i didn't realize what the mm. deal was with streakers that run onto the onto the run across the wicket and jump over the stumps and harass the people there with their nakedness we were in a row of people that were basically yeah getting together everyone was pitching in five pounds for the, for the money to get the guy out of jail <laughs> so, oh they, they were they were they were money. the guy they, was ready to do it as, as long as we would all chip in our five pounds he would go and streak across the pitch wow yeah that, that, that's a solid investment plan like that's yeah, some, that, that guy must be a financial advisor because i want to i want somebody with that much forward thinking and forward yeah it's a, it, it's a kind of yeah maybe it's maybe it's a it's, it's like a socialized what you call it yeah it's a socialized or communist um uh dick showing i suppose you know something like that but. <laughs> yeah it's like it's like if you if like like it, it's so much forward thinking it's like before you have sex with a woman you already have the college savings account for the kid just in case <laughs> i couldn't possibly comment on that <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. in a fund it'll grow in tw it'll, it'll it's going to grow great in 18 years so look at the prospectus <laughs> <laughs> yeah open up no that's <laughs> that's that's my way to woo women open up yeah i have a i have a fund i have a fund for for what my and they're just like i just this is my problem i always think way too far ahead when it comes to dating but they're like no, I just want sex. I'm like, oh, I forgot. Oh, that too. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought that I, I thought that um, I thought that Jane would become an engineer. You know, after Sparky gave birth, <laughs> and yeah. I already named her. <laughs> <laughs> big on STEM, and you've got a fund ready. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah.
<laughs> she, <laughs> I've already talked to colleges, the best colleges for our gene pool. <laughs> Look, we palm. put our DNA together. We put our palm on the college. Yeah. We put our palm on the college. But we'll do yeah. the other thing, the stool sample. The slimy league. Yeah. <laughs> um, you run you run a press too, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You're you're, um, you're you're like in it from every angle. I love that. Uh next year, yeah, stalking horse press and next year is ten years. Since. Wow. Unbelievably, actually. I, I mean they were um, you know, I have questioned what I'm doing. Um, but yeah, ten next year is ten years and um it seems kind of remarkable to me. I didn't I mean I had a the the plan was essentially I mean I just again it's it's that love of books, it's that love yeah. of the paperback book. And um, so I was always interested in how could I, not necessarily for myself, but how 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 could I learn more about producing them? And suddenly, you know, with um, technological changes and changes in distribution and so on. I mean, yes, it's 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 kind of it's a compromise that it's Ingram and they're a massive company, um, but you know they are providing a service that's helping a lot of small presses. Um, and they do have their distribution and so on. Um, no, it was really partly a, a love of of the idea of producing tangible literature. Um, and I knew people that were, you know, doing great work that couldn't find a market, couldn't find a publisher or an agent that, you know, you just felt that unless they took a, you know, a, a, an almost they could self-publish it but it wouldn't really help them that much and right. so you know i i it, again it sounds it sounds like i was being too nice but i, I really did just want to help but part of it was also wouldn't it be really cool to make some some beautiful books and so yeah that was a large part of it and so um yeah i feel like i don't i it would be interesting to go back 10 years based on 10 years of experience now with the model and also the way the the industry is sort of the industry the I hate the lit biz kind of stuff but uh, the way things have changed I, I wonder what i would have done differently you know would i have um been more niche like would i have you know uh, i don't know would i have done would i have made a, a certain type of cover that was consistent all kinds of questions come up when you've been doing it for a while you know it's not the it's not anything that makes me any I hope that it satisfies some authors and it helps people, you know, move on to another level, you know, get some, some um, foothold in publishing and in literature in general. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it, it, the, the press is a, is, it has to be a labor of love because it's certainly, you know, it's not a thing that troubles the, uh, troubles the, uh, the tax man, put it that way. So, right. Yeah. yeah it's, it's, it's <laughs> It, it breaks it, it it does a bit better than breaking even but but not enough for me to draw from it for my own life yeah. everything goes back in essentially so and that's fun I, I i feel like we really need to just you know um and i keep reminding myself of this too but just like almost the baptism of fire thing where you're just like you know what i want to do that and then when you do it yeah. you do it like wrong 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 but you learn mm -hmm. that's where all the yeah, learning is yeah is. yeah yeah um it's yeah you know, we're we're a long time dead you know there's there's plenty of opportunities you can miss and things that i don't know it's a it's a cliche but it is there is something about better to at least try something you know there are yeah you know it, it's it's not the kind of thing that will 
it's not like it's not like our house is in collateral with the pub with the press right like so it's a fairly low risk investment it's it's a very low risk investment i mean there's yeah. almost none except for maybe you know the idea that you well the, the risk is of course for me and thing that i struggle with is that there's never enough that i can do and i can't guarantee anybody's success and i can't there's a point at which you know anyone's power is to make a book spread throughout the the uh the, the literary world is 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 limited you know and it, that tends to be the the province of you know companies with lots of money and high paid um high paid very high paid publicists and uh lots of resources to to burn to make a to force a book to happen and in a small press you can't force a book into consciousness so you know i tend to think of it as a bit of a long game sometimes you know I don't expect books, you know, including my own, actually, I don't really think of it as like, um, well, in the first week after publication, did you sell 4,000 copies? You know, really, that might be that might take a lifetime for, for many books. So and that's OK, but it's not a model that is um, acceptable. It used to be more acceptable, I think. I think there was definitely a lot more nurture in the larger presses in terms of well, we know someone's a good writer. We're just waiting for their for their moment. We're waiting for the the constellation. Oh right, yeah, that, that but, did go away, huh? Well, yeah, and I think people used to feel that way about music too. People would say, "Well, this art, this you know, this band, hmm. or this artist, you know, we'll we'll just build them up. We'll we'll take them at an early stage, and we'll we'll nurture them, support their career because we know they're they're talented." And I think you know that's largely gone from music, and it's gone from literature for sure. And I think one of the Things that I might not, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm not a, you know, I'm, I can be fairly, um, I'm a realist. I can be fairly cynical about these things, but I think all of us have, even if we don't now, almost all of us have had the illusion that somehow um, literature works on a different set of principles to the music industry. And at this point, it really doesn't. At this point, it's it's very much um, if um, with um, AI, you know, if if literature can go the way of um, streaming technologies and and so on, um, and the way the movie industry is, um, it will without hesitation be the the people that own the own the, uh, the the corporate aspect of literature doesn't care at all about authorship. And uh, the careers and, and and literature writ large. I don't. I really don't think they do anymore. And we also uh, the other the other side to that is um, we've done so much in terms of um, oh fuck the canon, you know, fuck tradition, you know, we don't care about these different groups of different groups of authors that become unfashionable. Who largely did a lot of the work for us that we stand on their shoulders. Oh for. yeah, yeah. Shoulders. But <sighs> we also we. I think my my real one of my real fears is, and there was that big series of um, I don't know whether they were called layoffs or buyouts. There was a huge amount of editors leaving one of the large. Was it Penguin? I forget one of the large presses. And okay, you know, there's all right, but that's a lot of experience. And with the best will in the world, if the corporate publishing houses are snapping up. Um, hungry young, and I mean no disrespect to them, but hungry young MFA graduates in their twenties to work for not to work for lower pay, um, 
and that generation has been raised with a kind of contempt for the canon and tradition, oh. then um, then we may be, in terms of in terms of the issues we're talking about, we we may be in you know a lot of a lot of trouble. Yeah, and I and I believe <clears throat> I I believe that's where smaller presses take the you know that that's where the seekers are because there, uh, there, there's the mainstream <clears throat> well i was i, I was going to ask you a question about um oh sorry uh, yeah. no 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 apologies this is, this, oh, i might no. lose the thought in a second and then the question <laughs> will go away and then we'll i better hurry up but <laughs> <laughs> no what was the uh what was oh yeah the nurturing of the nurturing of our uh, artists, like the nurturing of music that's right. gone away and the nurturing of uh, writing that's gone away. And with, and I think I tell me if I'm wrong, but I think that leads to more kind of more voices <clears throat> that, that are really more originality and more original, uh, more unique things happening. Whereas when you flip it the other way, and there's no nurturing come to, to come to us they're all yeah. they're usually looking for something specific so then all of a sudden everyone sounds like each other a lot more yeah yeah i mean the um yeah i mean i think that that's definitely true i mean you 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 see with the with the large with the corporate presses the books all look the same yeah right they, they, there's definitely a, a seasonal look there are seasonal looks everyone jumps on the new typeface um it's yeah, there's it. it, it it's <clears throat> at the same time as there. It's 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 ironic, and it, at the same time as there is a sort of increased diversity in many ways that's to be applauded. The diversity is also has a kind of sameness to it. Right. It it, it doesn't feel particularly challenging. It feels like um, it feels like a committee trying to make itself look good. You know. So. I don't know. I, I mean, I think what's, I, I remember the first few times, I haven't been that many times, um, uh, going to something like AWP, the the book fair. I mean, the only reason, I mean, the only reason to go is the book fair, right? Mm -hmm. um, and people walk into the the giant um, conference hall and they see, you know, I don't know, 1,500 publishers and they're astounded by the fact that there are all these presses and all these authors they didn't know about. And it is very much that, like with music, it is that tip of the iceberg thing where, you know, if you're looking at the, you know, bestseller lists, um, sure, that's a, but that's a that's a sliver of the work that's being done, and I think people are really exhilarated by that by discovering how how much density and depth there is beneath the surface. Yeah, and even the like, even back in the old days when I would be, you know. I'd be a teenager at a record store, which was just like one of, you know, those old records in the eighties when like shopping for records as a teenager, just felt like you were going to get punched. <laughs> the record square clerks, they looked like they were just going to be, if you brought the wrong record to the front, they were, there was going to be a problem. But um, yeah. And then you, and then you start to get over that. And then it's, you, you hear maybe one song on a college radio station yeah. and you get the band name and you're like, Oh my God, you go buy the whole record. Yeah, you know, yeah. And, there, and there's just such a beauty to that because it's like, I just remember, not only remembering but like looking back, like I feel like people are missing out so much when things are thrown at you, 
on the love on the loveliness of the search and that mm-hmm. and all of a sudden that band or that book means everything to you because you went out and you searched for that book and yeah. you were at you were at the book <laughs> you're at the bookstore i didn't know who belkowski was until he died so what someone i found out he died and then i went to uh it was a bookstore in um san francisco i went to a bookstore and i bought a bukowski book they had put the this is 1994 the clerk yeah. goes oh i guess we're selling a lot of bukowski now that he died this week it's like and i'm just sitting there going please don't kill me i just want to buy a book and leave oh but but the but the joy of um passing through that that was almost like passing through an initiation gate you know and then after a while you start to get comfortable in a bookstore then you're like no no i got this so who do i read after henry miller man what's up sure (laughs) i remember that well that kind of experience not the bukowski part but at a certain point when, well, for example, one of the things that really brought this home was, um, I don't know, it's sometime in the 90s when I was um, really trying to read everything Burroughs had written. Yeah. And, you know, your local bookstore didn't have any, usually. And um, and it was pre-Amazon and it was pre-internet, uh, largely. Um, well, and somehow I would find out about, um, it's gone now. There was a bookstore. I think it's gone. Yeah, it went. It went the way of or flesh as they say there's um there used to be a bookstore in london called compendium and they had everything you know they just had all the kind of they had all the beat stuff all these kind of zines and pamphlets oh. fantastic avant-garde bookstore and you know it it was you know you could you could telephone them and say do you have this this and this yeah. some of it they would have and they would you know pack it up for you um or you know i i how did I even pay? But maybe I just sent checks. I don't remember. And I took, I, I, I would mail to them, send them letters and stuff to get the books for a long time before I actually was able to go and visit the store in person. But yeah, it was just, you know, that, that joy of discovery. Again, it sounds sentimental. Um, but when the discovery is done for you, you know, I, I'm not, a, speaking to go back to the Kindle thing, I sort of, I, I don't like hypertext. I don't like, um, x-ray that was is that that feature on amazon where the movies just sort of throw up all the trivia throw up all the oh yeah i don't don't like hypertext where you kind of you know you're reading the Kerouac book say and it says oh um this character is actually based on gore vidal i used to i okay thanks that took thanks for just throwing that in my face where i could have had some kind of pleasure or built a synapse by Oh, how gross. I didn't even know that happened. So with that, I mean, is it almost like there's a little bit of a highlight? highlight Oh, press this and you'll find out even more. I don't want to know more. You you have to read the novel as the novel. You can can find out more later. Well, you wonder what happens to, um, you know, because because of caring about certain genres or certain authors, it made you interested in their biographers. And that, so I wonder what that kind of technology ultimately does for biography because if you can just read your you know screen-based um book and click on something and then get the some snippet of what a biographer might have taken some time to you know research and get to know um yeah what, what does that do to that art of discovery of going to records again maybe we sound maybe we sound sentimental but um there's a there is a loss to human cognition when curiosity is removed. I feel and I, I feel like 
I mean, I don't, you know, I don't know what the kids feel today because they don't feel any emptiness. It's, I mean, like they don't feel the emptiness because, you know, we've had right. the experience of what it was like. It's just like, there was, what? No, yeah. it just comes to me. <laughs> but the, um, I, I just, I, I do still have hope that there's, that there's going to be a point where people are like, wait a second. I, it, when, when they, when, instead of the, instead of the fast dopamine fix, mm-hmm. how about the journey? You know, how about the journey to finding, how about, and then, and then, so all these, you know, large publishers, while well, they, some of those publishers, I, you know, I adore and love their books, uh, but I, I'm looking for small publishers too, because, oh, sure. because yeah. it's just like, the, that's like, that's like the gang, man. <laughs> you know, it's just yeah. like, those well, are the you, people. I think maybe until you, I don't know, maybe, maybe other people find this obvious, but I think plenty of people you know you go to the bookstore and you see you know Hemingway published by Random House or Vintage whatever it is that has Hemingway right these days whatever imprint it is and you you could almost feel like it was always thus you know you don't realize that maybe the first couple of books sold 150 200 copies or you don't realize when you see someone like Nietzsche in Penguin and Oxford Classics, that Nietzsche was struggling to sell. Nietzsche, Rambeau, these people that were selling less than 500 copies in their lifetime. Yeah. You know, Rambeau struggled to sell 500 copies of um, Season in Hell ever, gave most of them away. Most of them just, va- you know, a bunch of them just vanished. You know, they, they it couldn't give them away. And yet now, um, you, because of, also because of um, things becoming public domain and and so on, you see these mega corporations raking in the Rambo and the Hemingway money or the Kathy Acker money, you know, when those people were starving. Well, maybe yeah. Hemingway wasn't starving. He was a <laughs> little right. more, bit more bourgeois than, than the others. But um, but yeah, I mean, it's easy to, it's easy to, I, I read, I forget the number. I posted about it in our wonderful internet world recently that I, yeah, cause I was, in awe of Kathy Acker and Grove Press, and um, and this is not a, I'm not intended as a, a criticism of Grove Press, but I had no idea when I was looking at her, you know, beautifully produced Grove Press books, and that what the and the appearance of all the freedom that she had, you know, something like they acquired her first eight publications for about five thousand dollars, right? Wow, I mean, yeah, that's staggering, you know. Yeah. I saw. I, mean, so I, I sold a um, a company in Brazil bought translation rights for my first book for four thousand dollars, and they never even did it. You know, that's they never even translated it. Wow! <laughs> I was excited about the idea of it being big in Brazil, but it never, yeah, you know, it never happened. But that was just one one book in this day and age. But you know, like I I look at something like yeah, Kathy Acker, eight books for. I, I, I may have that. Apologies, Grove Press. Don't don't come after me. Um, but I feel like eight books for five grand, and and maybe that's what the the stuff was genuinely worth because it wasn't selling very well. But it certainly is the the cachet that presses get from those authors that were significant. And you know, yeah, Henry Miller's one too, maybe as well. Yeah, you know, um, the people that did the hard work for us, the people that allow you to say fuck in your undergraduate creative writing class. <laughs> No one wants to read Yeah. Damn you, D.H. Lawrence. Damn you, Henry Miller. Damn you, <laughs> Alan Ginsberg. Thanks for going to trial for us. Right, right. You patriarchy. <laughs> right. 
yeah yeah it's uh i you know it's i i, I never even really thought of the term uh, literary canon until the last few years and mm-hmm. i i start because um because 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 within the last few years I started to get really excited about classics that I never read because I, mm. I I didn't go mm. to college, so I've just always been trying to keep up. Sure. I've, tr- I've been trying to catch up, yeah. and um, yeah. yeah. So I finally read Ulysses, and I and I'm and I'm reading Proust, and I'm and I'm and I I never read Shakespeare. I read Hamlet, and and then I'm starting to find out more mm. and more. And they call it, and it's and you use the word canon too. It's like it is the literary canon, almost like saying the Bible canon. Mm. You know, it's these are the these are yeah. what it's it's there it's just they're they're important i I didn't realize how important these these books were because i came at it in such a weird way yeah and i think you know it's the canon in a way and again it's not that i have no issues with the idea of the canon it's not like it's not like it's devoid of any controversy but it's very easy to to just use that phrase and think, okay, we're talking about, this is a, to people, I think people have tended of late to confuse canon formation with just a sort of default idea of privilege, right? Yeah. Some kind of, uh, well, let's just, let's just say that, but really what what's left out of that notion of the canon is influence and conversation and dialogue you know the way in which certain works are in conversation with one another especially in poetry and and fiction um the way in which influence works so it's not just it's not simply a matter of well you just had to be a, a, a certain um you know a certain ethnicity and certain class i mean there's there's a little of that because you couldn't help it being um that so much of it was a you know a European construction, but at the same time, what was necessary for the canon was that works be in conversation with one another, works yeah. be influenced, right? That there were movements that you could identify and a scheme. And it didn't mean that, you know, it, it, it's maybe a maybe a later idea even that, that the canon, yes, I mean, it was always a sense that there are canonical works that you, you, might, you, you ought to know. But it wasn't. It had very little to do with the ethnicity or class of the of the author. It was really about their relationship to advancing, to to breaking tradition as much as as staying within it, and just the conversation that emerged from, yeah, well, the the anxiety of influence and, and so on. So I, I, yeah, I mean, it, it it is a it's a shame that classics departments are closing, and I, I don't say that as a, you know, because I'm not. I, you know, come. I'm a come from a working class family. Uh, I don't have that kind of privilege that would allow me. I've never been to a Ivy League university or a great school, whatever it might be. But um, yeah, I, I can think of times where I might have been misled into thinking that yeah, smash the canon, get rid of it, don't read all this, you know, old dead shit. Let's be radical. But it, that refusal to acknowledge historical conversations. You know historical um relationships because canon formation is just simply isn't simply a matter of privilege it's an idiotic idea it's yeah it's it, it just it blows my mind too because it brings us back to that time and mm-hmm. and I, you know it's i i feel it's i was talking to someone about this where uh 
Maybe I was, it was just on one of my classes, but I, I always crack up when I try to um, write a character that I'm like, or I get mad at something. And so I put, I put that character and I'm like, I'm like, you know what? That's so stupid. And I'm like, I'm going to make that character be that stupid. And then, but you work on them for a while and it's just like, you can't work out of anger. You have to work out of love when you're right. working for so long. So, so right. then you have empathy for the stupidity of these people and your, your characters mm-hmm. Because yes. you're you're you've built the backstory, and then and then you're like ah, you don't have to tell the whole backstory, but you're you know you have more as the author, you know more of the why, and and it's and 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 so yeah, someone was asking me if I uh, about about that, and I'm just like I can't write in hate because it just takes too long to write. Who wants to be in that spot? I mean, there's there, and also, well, sneering is also at the same time. It's it's so easy. I mean, it probably yeah. takes you a long time to write because you feel it's inauthentic to just be sneering, right? Right. So if you're writing authentically, maybe it's maybe it comes slightly, you know, still it's still challenging to write it because you you care about the the, the words, the language, language and the nuance. But um, yeah, what is? I mean, sne- yeah, sneering is is just the easiest thing to do. I mean, yeah. if you're not offering anything other than that. And you know, please go away. I mean, what is, what is to be gained by that? I, 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 but I also think that speaking of like sneering and, but I think all I think everyone has to go through this in their teenagers or early twenty years when they got when yeah, they got to sneer yeah. at everything. It's, yeah. Yeah, authority, no way. Yeah. You know, and it's just like because if you don't go through that, you go through that when you're forty or something, and it's just really embarrassing. It do it when you're younger. <laughs> we yeah. don't want to see that middle age i think you got i totally yeah i agree with you i think you know one of the things i've occasionally spoken to this is this is as close as i'll get to education in in, in the conversation i've spoke to the phrase i've spoken to students before about this um, uh-huh. i'll try to avoid that phrase but, <laughs> yeah. i sound such a, like such an asshole when i say it but um what one of the um you know for better or worse you know with with a bit of age um you realize how frequently you've been catastrophically wrong yeah about things especially the things you were sneering at right and so yeah. it's it's very easy to think well yeah i'm um you know i'm a 16 year old tyro or an 18 year old whatever it is and and or 14 whatever it is whatever the age group is and just feel like oh yeah i've, I've definitely i've got everything sorted out and i know you know um, which side I'm on, and and so on, and make you know, write your polemic or your sneering. I have your sneering ideas. Yeah, the the amount of times that we've we've all been wrong is should be really sobering, actually. Yeah, I know it is. You know it is for me. I mean, I I I I can definitely think of of you know works that I really bristled against when I first read them, especially when they're especially when they're given to you in a kind of a you know, a classroom context or something like that. Yeah. You just you no. tend to bristle. Um, you know, and so yeah, you you, you don't realize how you know, inaccurate many of those judgments are. Or maybe they're accurate at the time, but you just don't realize how subjective they are, perhaps, because you know, you're an angry young man, you've got it all figured out. It's and the cause because I yeah, I just started diving into Proust early this year. And um and I've been telling some of my writer friends about it, and 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 the the usual answer is, oh yeah, I had to read the first volume in college, mm-hmm. and and it's, and I'm just and I'm thinking, 
I would not have cared. I would have thought this was a yeah, yeah, piece yeah. of crap. And in my twenties, even in my thirties, I wouldn't, I would just, I would have sneered at it and walked away. And now I'm in my fifties and reading it. And it's just like, it's, it's touching my heart on this yeah. like level of uh, it's just mind blowing. And I did the same with Ulysses. I tried that a few times in my thirties, you know, and I couldn't get past page 50 and I was like, screw it. And then finally, during the pandemic, there was a little class about uh, that guided you through Ulysses while you read it. And mm-hmm. I was like, I'll just, I'll just do this. Okay. You know, and I did it and I was just like, and by the end I was like, I was crying. I was like, oh my God, it's just, it, I want to read it again. It's just crazy that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and, and yet, you know, yes, no, that's, that's, that's the point, isn't it? And then right now, you know, there are people, you know, in there. And, and again, it's it's not anybody's, I mean, certainly culturally we don't maybe help each other because we're, we're good at mobs and gangs and tribalism. But, you know, there are people right now who think that, yeah, there's no reason to read that book ever. Yeah. You know, take Let's close down the department that teaches it, you know. Um, yeah, what a shame, you know. And again, we don't, we don't appreciate the freedom that we've been given by these older works much of the time. Yeah. And it's, yeah, just, and then that's when the biographies are interesting. Cause then you find out exactly what was going on in that era. And and then you're just like, Oh my God, they wrote that in the middle of what? Yeah, and, you know, right. it's, and you just realize how punk rock they were say in mm-hmm. 1914 or in the 1800s. It's just like, yeah. these people were the punk rockers. They were like raising sure. their yeah. fist yeah. high. You know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. All those things that are kind of easy to malign these days, you know, but um yeah, radical positions to take. So yeah. What what for when did you go, you know what? I'm a writer. I'm gonna I'm I'm right. I'm putting it all in. Do it. What when did you do that? When did you do that? Which? Wait, when, when did you realize that you were a writer and you were gonna like yeah, you're just oh. like, you know what, here we go. I'm a writer. I, I can't help myself. Um, Look, there's there's probably two there's two answers, and I I think because when I was uh, when I was very young, I mean we were talking, you know, eight ten years old. Um, we I didn't come from a household that had you know four thousand books. We probably had maybe sixty. I don't know something like that on a shelf, um, and something about it I I. For some reason, and I wasn't, and I wasn't discouraged. Um, I became sort of fascinated with a few of them that I couldn't understand at all. But there was something about them; I have no idea. But they did become things that I um, gravitated towards in later life. And I'm sorry if people have heard this before, but you know, there was a. Um, I was too young to understand the book of Dylan Thomas poems, and I was too young to understand the tiny book on Dadaism that my mother had for some reason. Um, and but I, the experience of read of even just looking through them, um, I remember to this day, um, you know, forty plus years later, um, and I knew that there was a point early on where I started to say I wanted to be an author, and I didn't really know what it. I'm not even sure I knew what it meant, you know. And I would read. Uh-huh. Um, then I went through a period when I would read. Um, yeah, you know, I read a lot of science fiction and fantasy, and I read, and then you know not for any 
so that that brought science fiction and particularly brought you to a lot of short stories so i thought okay short stories and you know i kind of gravitated towards that for a while but then, then there was another period i suppose a bit later around um around my late teens i think when i realized that what well, 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 i didn't not so much realize but i what you said I, I took seriously the idea that had been a you know some sort of um sentimental idea from from being a kid or some kind of whatever it was some kind of attachment um so i take it really seriously um yeah my late teens but it didn't mean i was necessarily that productive but i was that was the case where i knew that i was definitely enamored with the idea of what it was to to be an author and i respected these people that wrote these novels you know and then um I was sort of gripped by a few things at the same time. I was gripped by post-war, um, post-war American art and a lot of post-war American novelists that I just thought were, they were everything. That was like my, my life. I was very, very drawn to that. And I had just such a um, a respect and fascination for all for that work that, and, and also the idea that, well, that in many cases, not to sound grandiose, I was I was really impressed by this social influence that so many of those writers had. And it was a different time, and you could be on television. You know, you could be yeah. on primetime television. You would ask a novelist, you know, for an answer about a question of the day. No one asks a novelist today, <laughs> <laughs> and that's the problem. And that might be, that might be that might be a good thing at this point, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, you know, I mean, the, the the literature had a, had a different place, even through the 90s, you know, when I was, um, you know, through and after um, being an undergrad student, even in the 90s, you'd regularly see novelists, poets on television discussing, well, everything, you know, they would, and it would, they could be on a political panel, they could be on a late night talk show, you'd see them all the time. And I just thought, yeah, well, this thing that I, I love. I mean, I loved. I really loved the um, the, the 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 tones and the um, yeah, a lot of the the tones of, of Dylan Thomas's poetry, for example. And I just thought, well, yeah, and these people like you know, Gore Vidal and Mailer and whoever it might be, and Kerouac and, and people that were, and even later, I would see people like Brett Easton Ellis on TV in the in the nineties regularly. And I just thought this is this is great. Like th these people who have who essentially work in a realm of imagination and style. And style was really important because they're all really great stylists. Uh -huh. um, that 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 was that was respected and that was great. So um, I was really in love with the idea of of, of the novelist and the novel. Um, it had a it held a position that I don't think it does so much today, um, yeah. which I do lament to an extent because I think there are, I know, you know, like yourself, I know various novelists and writers who probably have great things to contribute, but their, their star power isn't sufficient to, to, to get them onto the, given the platform that they might've had, you know, because these people change culture all the time. They're regularly, you know, whether it was the Vietnam war or whatever it might be, or, you know, various cultural issues, um, novelists and poets um 
this is before memoir was huge, but um, novelists and poets were able to shape the discourse. And I still, you know, I, I, I like being a novelist um, for writing novels, but I also, you know, wish more of us had the chance to shape discourse as well. That's a great idea. I want to, mm-hmm. I want to, you, you're, you're, you're making my brain go start a, start a YouTube empire of novelists talking mm. serious issues. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think that would be bad. Um, no, especially if, especially if, um, well, especially if there could be some also, also some, some maybe some, even some disagreement. Yeah. You know, ex- oh, exactly. Like, yeah. I mean, in, in your, in your line of work right now, I mean, I know something of how this is because I did it for a while, but um, you know, um yeah is i don't i i, I may be speaking out of turn because i've been out of it for a little while but um uh my impression is from much that i hear anecdotally is that um and even in the high schools there's not a there's not a great deal of of dissent you know there tend to be fairly hegemonous um homogenous rather student bodies right that yeah um I, I would um a, a school I worked at would audition students for the creative writing program. And I was always um not because it's where I come from, um, I was always really interested when when I could tell we had one the 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 classes were and again, it is what it is. I don't mean this as a as a slur. The classes gra- tended to be about 90, 95% female, and they tended to be about 99% liberal, and that's certainly okay to an extent but when we were i would i'd be determined to admit this one this one conservative student that would show up every so often and what tended to happen is that they were driven out in three weeks because the 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 structure the ideas of what literature and creativity is doesn't seem to even though it's not my style or my politics per se um i i wish they were i wish that many of us were more in contact with more ideas of a different sort yes so much so and 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 it's okay to be disagreed just to disagree and not be um we were in this time where everyone's so emotional about it and it's just like you disagree with me i'm gonna like you know come right at you it's just the uh, let's let's disagree yeah. but but hear both sides that's yeah, yeah that's yeah. interesting i don't agree with that but i get why you would think that um and because you're wrong no i'm kidding <laughs> <laughs> because I'm not, not so much that, but because I'm right. Yeah, I just, I just want you might not to... be wrong, but I know that I'm right. Um, <laughs> well, that's that's why I think something like um, you know Heterodox Academy, Jonathan Haidt's um, organization, is really important for academia. Is yeah. that it is true? It is true that you know historically, um, those even those academics teachers that were again not 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 my thing by any means, but. Um, I don't get to interact with a lot of conservative academics because they're all gone, you know, from, yeah. but if you can find a, I mean, I, you know, maybe, maybe there's, maybe there are more than I think, but if you can find a, um, a, not just sort of centrist, but if you can find a, a Republican creative writing teacher, um, you know, maybe I'll give you a dollar, but, um, those, those things don't <laughs> exist anymore. And, you know, we can all put in for his bail money when the students would, come out. Can as he runs naked across the campus. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> With a Bible between his cheeks. <laughs> <laughs> what cheeks? 
<laughs> James, thank you for coming on the show. This has been Oh great. my goodness, you're so welcome. Yeah, I mean, yes, it's a lot of fun talking with you. Paperback writer. FM, KPCRLP, Santa Cruz.
can get 